Hello everyone, welcome to Woodburn. My name is Caleb Hodges. No, I am not the pastor here, but when Tim is away, cafe will play. So you got the cafe band, you got me in here, and we are having a great time. And y'all, I don't know what's gonna happen. I have no idea what's gonna happen the rest of this service, but I promise to be present for it. And I also promise to give you my full and undivided attention. All right, I'm staring at cameras right now. I'm not staring at people. So I don't know if I'm gonna get the same energy, but I promise to give it my full and undivided attention. So welcome back. We are in the sermon series called Boy's Life. And I think it's perfect that Tim asked me to do this because he goes, hey, who is someone that, is of a man's size, but is of a boy's IQ and and mindset. And I think I was the first person to pop in his head. So here we are. Thank you all for having me. Thank you for watching this far. Uh, If all the numbers start dropping over there in the top right-hand corner, you completely understand why. So stay tuned if you're still here. You're going to get a prize at the end of it. So let's do a little bit of a recap. So the recap so far is that the first week in this, he said that boys live for today and men think long-term. Boys live for today, and men think long-term. And he took us to Proverbs uh, chapter 7 and 6 through um, 27 is where we went. And he was talking about a, a boy that went off with a harlot and how that he thought about this immediate satisfaction as opposed to his long-term life. And then the next week, he had boys fake it to blend in, and men stand out for the truth. Boys fake it to blend in and men stand out for the truth. And in that one, he took us to Daniel 3 and we know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the fiery furnace. And they stood on the truth that was their God. They stood on the truth that was our God. And they had a man, a fourth man in the fire there with them. So that is day one. That was day two. And now we come to week Three, and we're going to go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 17, and we're going to be reading 8 through 13. Exodus 17, 8 through 13. So while you're turning there, while you're flipping your pancakes at home, or, or maybe you're eating sausage, you may be a cereal eater at the beginning. So while you're doing all that, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope it's delicious. Um, I don't know if you're in your pajamas. I don't know if you actually got up and did your hair this morning. Uh, This is only like week two of me actually having my hair cut and feeling like a man. Y'all, my hair was looking fantastic. Some of y'all might have seen it on one of the videos a little while ago. My hair was long. I was at a point to where I could almost put it in a ponytail, almost had a man bun going on, but I knew that everyone would disown me. So I decided to go on and cut it off. But let's jump on to Exodus, Exodus chapter 17 beginning here in verse 8, Exodus 17, verse 8. And it says, While the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, Choose some men to go and fight the army of Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amaleks gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit 
Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, for his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. Let's just, let's just push pause there for just a second. So I, some of y'all might be like myself and Cheryl and my wife. Uh, whenever I was talking to Tim about what I needed to preach on, what, what area he was at and kind of what point, he said, well, I'm using, I'm using Exodus. And I'm using Exodus chapter 17. And I, I'm going to throw her under the bus here. Sherilyn, I apologize. But Sherilyn said, man, haven't we had enough Exodus? We've been doing 10 with Tim Exodus for like all of COVID. Maybe we could try some different books or, or somewhere different. So Tim, I apologize for my wife. Uh, we had a little domestic dispute about that. Um, and, and, and I think we're back to a good place now. But no, no, all jokes aside, to, to, totally kidding about that. But but listen, Exodus is so rich and there's so many great stories that, that please don't tune out just because you think you've heard all of Exodus. So at this point, the story that we're going to tell and the, the, the main thing that I want you to know is this. Lindsay showed up here. It's that boys are lone wolves and men run in packs. Boys are lone wolves and men run in packs. Packs. So if you think about a wolf, right? If you think about wolves, they have packs. And a lone wolf in the wild is actually as good as dead. It's almost worthless because it doesn't have a pack. It doesn't have uh, the rest of its group to surround its prey, to keep it warm during the winter. It is it's basically a loser. So that's what a lone wolf is a loser when it comes to the animal kingdom. And I wrote some things down here. It says that in the wild, lone wolves are likely destined to die. The only escape for them is to find a pack, to find a group. And wolves live and they hunt in packs. And they are social animals and they need the interaction to thrive. But most importantly, they need that pack to eat. Like I was saying, they've got to surround their prey to eat. And it's nearly impossible for a wolf on its own to kill its prey. And another fun fact is that lone wolves in the wild are predominantly male, which brings us exactly to where we are today. Lone wolves are males. Just like what Tim was saying in the video, that it seems like we as boys, we get this right. We do a really good job at finding friends, finding playmates, finding people that we can share experiences with, especially when we're in elementary school or whenever we're just in high school and we have these shared interests like we're on the football team or the baseball team or the soccer team. Whatever it might be, all these teams create a sense of brotherhood. They create a sense of togetherness and a group, a shared experience, if you will. And during that time, it's really easy. But then we grow up, we graduate high school, we graduate college, we go to work. And that, that's, a, that's a four-letter word, right? We go to work, and then we suddenly start to lose all of these groups. We lose these people that we identify with, these people that allow us to, to be ourselves and just to, to have a togetherness. We get married, we have kids, and then before you know it, we're separated more and more in our mindset and our vision is taken away from our friends. But just like we learned from the wolf example, that keep in mind that men need friends. Men need people to be with. 
And the first thing that they need and the first thing that they've got to have in order to have the right people is you got to think about the direction that you're going. you got to think about which way you're headed. Because listen, if you're headed in two different directions, you're headed in something different, then you're totally not going to be able to make it. Uh, think about it this way. Moses, Aaron, Joshua, her, everyone in this story, their direction was the promised land. They were promised this land. They were promised this as an inheritance from their lives. And they were all headed in that direction. The Amaleks or the Amalekites, they were just in the way. They were something that was a stumbling block for them. And they knew that in order to reach their destiny, the destination was the promised land. In order to reach that, they had to go through this obstacle. And it infinitely took all four of them in order to overcome this. So that's the first thing. And our friends are expect the friends that you're that you're experiencing life with, they're expected to be going the direction as you, the exact same direction as you. Because this is one thing that the, the way that I'd say it, Lindsay helped me out, is that if you aren't going the same place, then you can't go together. So if you've got some friends that they like to go out and get you know, get wild and party and act all crazy and do all these crazy things, but yet you're headed in a totally different direction, you don't like that, then the likelihood of you being close friends and good friends is almost zero. If you've got a friend that's an atheist or you've got a friend that believes something totally different than you, you can't get to the same direction, the same destination if you're going different directions. You, you cannot do that. Friendships have to be focused on the same thing. They have to be trying to reach the exact same destination. For we as Christians, that could be heaven. That, that could be Jesus. That could be the Christian walk and the, and the life that he has laid out before us. That's what our goal is. That's what our destination is. And if your friends and the people that you have around you are headed in some other direction, you can't get to that destination with them. You can't get to a place if you're headed in two different directions. So a story about me, right? Uh, we, we tell about Moses and that Moses' life is separated into three 40s, right? So he had the, the 40 years whenever he was in uh, Egypt and he lived as Pharaoh's son. So that was 140. He had 40 years whenever he was the son of Jethro and lived with his father-in-law Jethro. Um, and, and he was a shepherd. All of that time he was a shepherd. And then in between that 40 and his last 40 is whenever Exodus occurs, whenever he goes back to Egypt and he pulls the people out of, out of Egypt the Pharaoh's hands. Whenever he does that, that's the separation between these two 40s. And the last 40 is when he's in the wilderness uh, before he gets to the promised land. So it's separated into three 40s. And I joke that my life so far has been separated into three Jacobs, three Jacobs. So Caleb and Joshua in the Bible were a group, but in reality, it's Caleb and Jacob. So whenever I was in junior high and high school, my best friend was named Jacob, Jacob Walker. If you're watching this, you are my man. I love you to this day. Uh, we called him Cheese because he's a big guy, and he is one of those kind of people that says, hey, I'm in charge. I'm the big cheese. I'm the man. So his, it started off as being big cheese, and then we got lazy and it just became cheese. So uh, all of my family or any of the people that are out there that know me probably know cheese. And that was the beginning. That was the first Jacob. I graduated high school. I went to college. And college 
had my second Jacob, Jacob LaCroix. This man is beautiful, all right? If y'all have not seen Jacob LaCroix, y'all look him up on Facebook. He is beautiful. I might have a little bit of a man crush on him myself. Um, He has a kid. His kid is beautiful. His wife is beautiful. Mackenzie and Jacob, if you're watching this, y'all know y'all are pretty, pretty people. Uh, both Both of those guys were in my wedding. So we've got Jacob Walker Cheese and we've got Jacob LaCroix. We actually called him Jacob, um, what I mean, when, when you're that good looking, you don't really need a nickname, right? You can just be called your normal name. And then after I graduated college, actually toward the end of my college career, I met a man named Jacob Hoot. Jacob Hoot, all right? His, his name is Jake Hoot. We just call him Mr. Famous now. So Jake Hoot won the voice. For all of y'all that are wondering, yes, I knew him first, and I knew him before he was famous, so we're friends. If y'all want to be his friends, please contact me because it has to go through me first. Jake Hoot. And these three men, I have to say, they have been so special to my life for a number of reasons. First off is because they demonstrated the way to live. They just demonstrated the right way to live. If it wasn't for Jacob Walker Cheese, if it wasn't for that Jacob, there's no telling where my life would have been in high school. He gave me a safe place. He gave me a place that I could come, hang out, be myself, and there was no worries about anything crazy or anything wild, whatever like that, being I spent so much time at Jacob Walker's house. It's so hard for me to even say his name because his name is Cheese, y'all. I spent so much time at Cheese's house. My dad was actually worried that we were doing bad things. He actually asked me if we were smoking dope at Cheese's house because I spent so much time there. Dad, I promise we did not do that. That was not the case whatsoever because he just gave me a great place to stay in a safe place that we could be. Second Jacob, Jacob LaCroix. He was just such a man of God. He taught me about digging into scriptures. He taught me that it was important to know God's word and important to be the man that we were supposed to be, that our parents expected us to be, that we were, that we were trying to be ourselves. We actually wanted to be those kind of guys, and he showed me how to do that. Jacob LaCroix, I will never, ever forget the impact that you had on my life. Jake Hoot, this is the biggest man I've ever met in my life, right? This is a mountain of a man. I feel like I'm a pretty good-sized human being, but whenever I'm around Jake Hoot, I feel like I'm just a normal person, right? I'm just normal. I feel like David Hutchinson around everybody else, that I am, I'm just a normal-sized person. And it's funny because Jake and I went to Nicaragua some years ago, and I will never forget, there's a, there's a picture of him reaching down and holding a boy's hand. And this boy, you know, it, it's all he could do to hold two fingers of Jake's hand, right? And the boy didn't want anything. Because a lot of times kids might ask you for candy or they might, you know, ask you for something. That boy didn't want anything. He literally wanted to hold the hand of the biggest person that he had ever met. And Jake taught me in that moment that regardless of our size, regardless of our stature, that it is good, it is truly, truly good to humble yourself in front of everybody. And and I could go on and on and on about these three Jacobs, but they are my life. They are my men. Jacobs, I love you guys and thank you so much. And so these men demonstrated what it was like to be a man. And secondly, 
They were present. In all these different stages of my life, they were present. These men were in my wedding. Like I said, they were present in big things in my life. They were present in the times whenever I needed them and I had to have them. I had questions or, or they had questions. They were present in my life. So the second thing I want you to see, Lindsay, help me out, is that when it comes to friendships, quality and quantity matter. So not only do you have to have time that is good time and demonstrate the way to live, but you've also got to have a quantity of time and be present in people's lives. It's not just one or the other. You can't just have one day a year and say, hey, man, this is the greatest moment. You're really pouring into my life. Or you can't just be there every single day and bring zero value, actually pulling away from the time whenever you feel like, man, I just, I'm drained after I spend time with them. With friendships and with good friendships, it's both quality and quantity. Quality and quantity. So that's my life of three Jacobs. And so something else that I, 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 I didn't touch on as much as what I'd like to because I'm really, I, I'm really, really proud of the example that I had laid out before me, not only with my three Jacobs, but also with my father. Uh, today is Father's Day, so all you dads out there, you guys are great. Thank you so much for uh, just, just the wisdom that you bring to men's life like myself, and thank you for being present in your kid's life and just pouring out to them. This is such a special day. Moms get all the credit, but dads, you are the man. And Randy Hodges, you are definitely the man, and I appreciate you giving me example of what friends look like. Off the top of my head, I can think of three men in my dad's life that have been instrumental to his life. The first one is Steve Bass. If y'all ever need some tires and y'all are around Nolensville Road, Steve Bass Tires is the place. I promise you'll hear a good story and I'll promise you'll know about Jesus by the time that you leave. Steve Bass, thank you for what you have done in my life and the life of my father. I know that in the darkest moments of my father's life, he had broke his ankle and my dad was all about work. My dad is all about you know, doing his job and being present at his job. And this broken ankle did not allow him to do that. He was, he was crippled in all ways that you can imagine. And I think he'll be okay with me saying this, but that this was one of the darkest places that I know in my father's life. And Steve Bass pulled him out of that. He, he couldn't go to work, so he literally took a truck that no one drove anymore to Steve Bass's shop and he sat there and told stories and listened to Steve. Steve poured into his life during that time. He demonstrated the way to live and he was present in my dad's life. Secondly is Randy Baker. Randy Baker can build anything. Baker Construction, if y'all around Portland, Tennessee, I know that Tim Harris is probably laughing because he thinks that Portland is funny. But if you're around there, Call Randy Baker, he'll build your house and it's fantastic. They have shared experiences. Randy, both, they both dads, right? And they're both named Randy. So you're, you're, you're fantastic right there. You've already made enough connections to be friends. But Randy has been there through all these shared experiences, whether it's the Cortec convention, whether it's horseback riding, going camping, hunting, whatever it might be, that they were present. And lastly was Jimmy Ralph. Jimmy Ralph is probably one of my dad's oldest friends, not in age, even though Jimmy, I hope you're watching this, you are old and I, I really want you to know that, but he's one of my dad's oldest, oldest friends. He's been around the longest. And so that time 
both the quality and the quantity time is what makes great relationships. So I wanted to take a minute and just brag on my dad and brag on the way that he had prepared his life and structured his life. He has always bragged about the fact that he's got great friends that he could call on in a moment's notice and they would be there just like that. No matter what it was, no matter what time of day it was, that he's had great friends. And I've tried my best to structure my life the same way, whether it's with the Jacobs or whether it's with other people that I know and other men that I've surrounded my life with. So the, the next story I kind of touched on a little bit earlier was, was with Randy Baker and hunting, going on hunting trips. So getting to the third and final point here, that it, do, any of you guys out there watching, do y'all know Corbin Rennick? Y'all know Corbin? Corbin is hysterical. Um, Corbin has got the best sense of humor. He's crazy. Um, he, he is just, he, he's a good dude but he is absolutely hysterical. I can't think of any other word other than hysterical for Corbin. So I invited Corbin to go with me on a hunting trip uh, some years ago. It's probably been four or five years ago now that Corbin and I went on a hunting trip to Kansas. And we were going to hunt pheasant. And we've, we've been on this trip several times with my family, but this was a guy's trip, a men's only trip. And I knew that Corbin loved to hunt. And I knew that he would be great on this trip with all of these guys. And when we were going out there, we had to get a license. We had to get a, a hunting license, but we had to get a very specific license because we were going in this area, this, this kind of private land, and we had to get a hunting license that was only for this private land. And it, it brought out this point that I think is perfect, is that you have to give men a hunting license in your life. Lindsay, have you got it for me? We must give hunting licenses in our lives to men that are around us. And what do I mean by that? I mean that we have to have friendships. We have to have people that are surrounding us that will literally kill anything in our lives that doesn't need to exist. Anything that's bad in our lives that don't need to exist, it needs to be killed. It needs to be absolutely destroyed so that we can be the men that we are supposed to be. We can be the men that God called us to be. That is our job, and that's the men around us have to have a hunting license. And if you think about back to our story, you notice that Moses had this weakness, this weakness that was in his arms. And if you've ever tried to hold anything over your head for an extended period of time, it is incredibly difficult. I don't care if you're a bodybuilder, I don't care what you do for a living, that it is hard to hold your hands just by themselves over your head for an extended period of time. So if you can imagine that he's holding this staff over his head for hours upon hours while this battle is raging, his arms got incredibly tired. And there's going to be places and times in our lives where we have weaknesses. We have things where we're getting tired and we're, slatch, we're slacking, we're slouching, whatever it might be. And we need men around us to shoot and to kill those weaknesses. He had Aaron and he had her to come and prop him up. This hunting license is designed to do that. It's designed to prop you up in your weaknesses. It's designed to take away those things that you are lacking at and to literally give you a strong arm to hold against. He had Aaron and he had her. But whenever I tell you about a hunting license and tell you to kill something in someone's life, it's important that I tell you what that special license was in Kansas. So we hunt on some people's property that we've known for 20 years now, and they have a preserve. And this preserve is called a controlled shooting 
area, controlled shooting area. And if you think about that aspect in our own lives, it's that, yeah, you have the right to shoot things that need to die, but it has to be controlled. I'm not giving you the opportunity to kill all the good things, to break me down and to beat me down into just this bloody pulp just because you like it. I'm giving you the right to have a controlled shoot in my life, to have a controlled shoot in the things that need to disappear and the things that need to die. Tim Harris told me one time, he said, I hope that I've placed the people in my life life that will wave their arms and to yell to stop if I'm about to drive my life off a cliff. That's what a controlled shooting area is. That's what it means to have a hunting license in someone else's life is that they're going to stop and go, whoa, 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 This thing that you're doing right now, it's driving your life off a cliff. And you know what I'm talking about. And you know people right now that have something going on in their life that needs to be killed, that needs to be eradicated. And you need to hunt that down. And you need to kill it in a man's life. But don't forget the things before. They have to be present. And they have to demonstrate the way that a life is supposed to live. They also have to be running in the same direction as you. That is critical. Because if you have someone that's passing by and wants to kill something in your life and he's headed a totally different direction, that's not your guy. That is not your man. That's not your purpose or your person. You need someone that's headed in the same direction and someone that's going to demonstrate how to live, someone that's going to be present in those places, the quality and quantity time in your life. But you have to give them a hunting license. You have to give them the opportunity and the right to kill things in your life that don't need to be there. So to close, it's really simple. It's the who, it's the what, and it's the when. So who are the people in your life that you can give a hunting license to? Who are the people that you have around you that spend quality time with you that are present in your life that you can give a hunting license to? Who are the people that are headed in the same direction that you can say, hey, I give you the full right to kill my weaknesses that are showing up in my everyday life, to kill the things that are negatively affecting my marriage, my other relationships, my walk with God. What are those things that are destroying me? I give you the opportunity to kill it. Second is the what. What are you going to do with those people? What are you going to, are you, are you going to go play basketball with them? Are you going to go on a hunting trip with them? Are you going to do whatever it might be that's going to create that quality and that quantity time? What are you going to do and how are you going to be deliberate about it? How are you going to make time, make money, make space in the budget? How are you going to do that? Because a lot of things, let's be fair for you women that are watching this, a lot of things that men like to do, they're expensive. I talked about David Hutchinson. He's got a motorcycle outside right now. That thing is not cheap. And so if he's going to ride motorcycles with somebody, he needs somebody that has made space in the budget to ride motorcycles with. So who are you going to do these things with? What are you going to do? And when are you going to do it? Are you going to keep saying, no, 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 I'm going to wait. I'm going to delay. I'm going to delay. I'm going to delay. Or are you going to call somebody right now and say, hey, I want to give you a hunting license in my life. I want to give you the right in my life 
to, to be the man that I lean on. I'm not going to use words like accountability partner or, you know, a fire team or anything like that. And those things are fantastic. But all of these terms and all of these phrases, they just give you an excuse. They give you an excuse to quit on it at some point, give you a chance to do it because that, or to not do it. Because what I need out of you is I need you to be serious. I need you to quit kidding around and quit playing about, oh yeah, this or oh yeah, that and making all these excuses. I need you to say, hey, you guys are in my life for a reason. Let's stop and think. Even Jesus had 12 men. Even Jesus had these men that he surrounded him. Now granted, one of those guys wasn't too great. But at least 11 out of the 12 were pretty great. So that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty good batting average. And then he had three men that he regularly spent time with. He went away on his own. He had these three men that were special. Can you even count three men that, that would be there for you? Who were the numbers in your phone that if anything were to happen today, if you had a flat tire or if you had someone that was dying, who would you call? Who are the men in your life, life, I'm talking like a redneck now, but who, who are the men in your life that you could call today? Who, who is that? And are you going to call them today or are you going to wait? Are you going to make excuses? What, what are you going to do? So the who, the what, and the when, is it going to be today? Pray with me. God, I thank you for the opportunity to to hear your word, and to speak your word, God. And I thank you for this word that pierces my own heart and, and that, that just motivates me to find those people that matter in my life and, and to elevate those people to a place above the other people, above the other men, above the other friendships that I can give them a hunting license. God, I pray for the people that can hear me right now that they will be passing out these licenses to men around them and to men that will be going in the same direction as them, that men that will be so in tune to their life, God, that they can spot those weaknesses even better than we can spot our own weaknesses, God. But we thank you that you are the source of all of our strength, God, that you are the direction, you are the destiny, you are the destination that we are heading, God, and that we can keep our focus on you no matter what happens, no matter what goes on in our life, God, that we can keep our focus on you. And we as men, we as friendships can be focused and driven towards you. And if we bump along, we, we bump into people along the way, God, that those are our guys, those are our men that we're going to lock arms with and we'll storm the gates of hell if you ask us to. We will do whatever it might be and that we are stronger together. God, your word says that as iron sharpens iron, one man strengthens another. God, we pray for that strengthening. We pray for that sharpening in our lives that we will look more and more like you. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.